Hola, and welcome to Spanish Answers, a podcast that gives you unas yavitas claves as you unlock your Spanish language adventure. I'm your host, Sarah, with Language Answers, and today in episode 71, we'll be talking about contronyms, what they are, and I'll give you seven fun examples. And of course, we'll also talk about the official holidays of Guatemala in our cultural tips. So, let's begin! Have you ever laughed at the fact that, in English, there are so many words that contradict themselves? For instance, if Paul rents a room, is he the one paying the landlord? Or is he himself the landlord? Or how can you have clothes that will wear for a long time, but then eventually the wear on them begins to show? Or one of my current favorites, how can you be cheerfully sanguine or confidently optimistic while your neighbor is a sanguine or bloodthirsty lunatic? These types of words are called contronyms, and of course, Spanish has them too. So what are contronyms? Put simply, a contronym is a word that has two meanings that contradict each other. These type of words are also called antagonyms or autoantonyms, you know, self-antonym, get it? You can have, for example, five grapes left, meaning there are five grapes remaining, but you also say that John left the building. In other words, the word left can mean to remain, or it can mean to leave, which are two contradictory meanings. You can dust a cake with sprinkles, or you can dust your furniture. In one meaning, you're adding tiny particles to the cake. In the other, you're removing tiny particles from the furniture. One of the great things about contronyms is that they show how context-based language is. After all, how often do you stop to think about the fact that a country's custom is practiced by thousands of people, but a custom order is made just for you? It hardly ever crosses your mind that words can be self-contradictory because you're focusing on the specific meaning they have based on the context of a conversation. So let's have some fun today. Take a step back with me and contemplate the humorous side of language. Let's look at seven great contronyms in Spanish, or as they would say, Los autoantonimos or las enantiosemias. So the first one is sancionar. Now this word can mean to approve of something. For example, the king sanctioned the duke's actions. El rey sancionó las acciones del duque. The king sanctioned the duke's actions. El rey sancionó las acciones del duque. But it can also mean to punish someone for their actions, just like in English, right? Those two meanings. So Europe has sanctioned Russia for its war in Ukraine. Europa ha sancionado a Rusia por su guerra en Ucrania. Europe has sanctioned Russia for its war in Ukraine. Europa ha sancionado a Rusia por su guerra en Ucrania. The second word is alquilar. This verb means to rent out a place or thing, like an apartment or a special tool. Example, Tony rented out his apartment. Tony alquiló su apartamento. Tony rented out his apartment. Tony alquiló su apartamento. However, the verb can also refer to someone doing the actual renting. Juan rented the chainsaw for the afternoon. Juan alquiló la motosierra por la tarde. Juan rented the chainsaw for the afternoon. Juan alquiló 
la motosierra por la tarde. In English, we also use the verb rent this way, although we differentiate between the landlord and the renter via the word out. E.g., I rented out the apartment versus I rented the apartment. But Spanish doesn't have this distinction. You have to figure it out based on context. So, what do you think? Does María quiere alquilar la casa mean that María wants to rent the house or that she is looking for a renter for her house? Number three, animal or monstruo. If you call someone un animal, you're probably saying it as an insult. It can be used to call someone a brute or a moron. And this is similar to the word monstruo. Just like in English, calling someone a monster is to say that they are a terrible human being. So, some examples. This idiot thinks that Ecuador is in Africa. Este animal piensa que Ecuador está en África. This idiot thinks that Ecuador is in Africa. Este animal piensa que Ecuador está en África. You're a monster. Eres un monstruo. You're a monster. Eres un monstruo. And yet, both of these words, animal and monstruo, can also refer to someone who is really good at something, similar to how we use machine or whiz in English. Some examples would be, that man is a digging machine. Ese hombre es un animal excavando. That man is a digging machine. Ese hombre es un animal excavando. My sister is a whiz at languages. Mi hermana es un monstruo de los idiomas. My sister is a whiz at languages. Mi hermana es un monstruo de los idiomas. You can even use monstruo to say that something is fantastic. Like, what a fantastic idea. Que idea monstruo. What a fantastic idea. Que idea monstruo. Do I understand any of these positive meanings? No. But they're fun examples for contronyms. Or should I say they are monstruos? I know. Terrible joke. I'm sorry. Couldn't resist. Number four. Dar classe. This phrase can mean to give a class. Like Nancy gives pottery classes. Nancy da clases de, de alfarería. Nancy gives pottery classes. Nancy da clases de alfarería. But it can also mean that you take a class. Weird, right? For example, I took a class on herbology. De una clase de herbología. I took a class on herbology. De una clase de herbología. Again, you have to rely on context in order to understand if Juan da clases de matemáticas means Juan teaches math, or if he's learning it. Number five, friolera. This is a really cool word. It can mean something that is a trifling, like she paid a mere $5 for the scarf. Costó la friolera de cinco dólares por la bufanda. She paid a mere $5 for the scarf. Costó la friolera de cinco dólares por la bufanda. But it can also be used ironically to mean the opposite, so that something is excessive or a huge quantity. Like, she spent a mere $100 million for that property. Ella gastó la friolera de un cien millones de dólares por esa propiedad. 
She spent a mere $100 million for that property. Ella gastó la friolera de un 100 millones de dólares por esa propiedad. This word is also one of my favorite new words, by the way, as friolero or friolera is the adjective you use to describe someone who is always cold. I now call my husband mi querido friolero. Number six, ignorar. This is an interesting word in that it means to ignore something and to be ignorant of something. So with one word, you can either know something and intentionally ignore it or not know that it exists. Some examples are Jake began ignoring Joe after their fight. Jake comenzó a ignorar a Joe después de su pelea. Jake began ignoring Joe after their fight. Jake comenzó a ignorar a Joe después de su pelea. Jake didn't know Joe had actually saved him. Jake ignoró que Joe realmente lo había salvado. Jake didn't know Joe had actually saved him. Jake ignoró que Joe realmente lo había salvado. And number seven, last one, batacazo. Batacazo. This is another favorite word of mine. One of its meanings is the loud thunk, that blow to yourself when you fall hard. In that same vein, it can also reference a failure or sudden fall in a venture. For example, she tripped and hit the ground with a thunk. Ella tropezó y se dio un batacazo contra el suelo. She tripped and hit the ground with a thunk. Ella tropezó y se dio un batacazo contra el suelo. But it can also mean, in Latin America, a surprising or lucky triumph. And in some countries, this sentiment is applied more specifically to horse racing. So the golfer's unexpected victory shocked the industry. El batacazo que dio el golfista conmocionó a la industria. The golfer's unexpected victory shocked the industry. El batacazo que dio el golfista conmocionó a la industria. All right, let's go on to our cultural tip for Guatemala today. We're going to talk about their national holidays. And I'm really hoping my voice doesn't give out. If you haven't been able to tell so far, I am suffering from a cold. And uh, yeah, today my voice went out. So I'm hoping that I can finish this episode. Now, the global national holidays. Let's talk about those first. To save on time and to avoid extreme repetitiveness, I'm going to give you a quick list of holidays that many other countries also celebrate and or which we have covered in other episodes. So I won't go into too much detail for these national holidays. So Guatemala has New Year's Day, which is, of course, always January 1st. They have Holy Thursday, which is April 14th, as it's always the Thursday before Easter. Good Friday, April 15th, always the Friday before Easter, right? So they celebrate Easter this year on April 17th. And then we have Labor Day, which is always May 1st, except that this year it's May 2nd since the 1st is on a Sunday. Now, there's Assumption Day, which is August 15th. Again, always August 15th. Or you can call it Asuncion de la Virgen. And you can see episode 67 if you want more information on that one. There's All Saints Day, which is always November 1st, or Dia de Todos los Santos, 
or All Hallows Day. And then Christmas Eve is always December 24th, and Christmas Day is the following day, December 25th. Okay, so let's go into their unique national holidays. There are three of them. The first is Dia del Ejército de Guatemala, or Army Day. And this day is always celebrated on June 30th. It honors the military for their service to Guatemala, including a military parade. The day originally began as a celebration of the army's successful overthrow of the dictator Vicente Serna during the liberal revolution that took place on June 30th, 1871 in Guatemala City. The second unique holiday is Dia de la Independencia, or Independence Day, and this is always celebrated on September 15th. Now, as we've talked about many times on this podcast, much of Latin America fought for independence from the Spanish. Central America, comprised of Guatemala, El Salvador, Nicaragua, Honduras, Belize, Panama, and Costa Rica, officially declared their independence on September 15th, 1821. True, they temporarily joined the Mexican Empire, with the exception of Costa Rica, but eventually they became the Federal Republic of Central America in 1823. There was a lot of fighting, however, and eventually the Federal Republic of Central America dissolved, beginning in 1838 with Nicaragua's withdrawal. You can read more about this from World Atlas, and I've, of course, included the link in the show notes. Nevertheless, many Central American countries celebrate September 15th as their Independence Day. And our third day is Dia de la Revolución, or Revolution Day, and this is always celebrated on October 20th. During the Great Depression, Guatemala elected Jorge Ubico in 1931 to provide strong leadership and help stabilize the country. Unfortunately, he became more of a fascist dictator. He militarized the country and implemented harsh labor laws. On July 1st, 1944, Ubico was forced to resign by the growing movement against him, although he created a three-person military junta to replace him. Then, Major Francisco Javier Arana and Captain Jacobo Arbenz Guzman led the October Revolution on October 20th, 1944, to remove the junta, creating what is called the 10 Years of Spring. This is the 10 years of actual democracy in Guatemala, sandwiched in between Ubico's dictatorship and the U.S.-involved coup d'etat in 1954. So, their three unique holidays do revolve around a lot of fighting. And that's all for today. So thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to check out the show notes for links to the resources used for this episode. If you would prefer to read an approximate transcription of today's episode, you can also visit the episode's blog. I would love to help you on your Spanish journey. So if you have any questions about today's episode, or even just on Spanish culture or grammar, you can reach me at contact at languageanswers.com or visit my website for more information at www.languageanswers.com. I can also be contacted regarding my services for Spanish to English translation, English technical writing, editing, and content creation, or even language consultations and tutoring for you or your business. Remember, learning a language is a lifelong journey. So please, aprovechalo, disfrútalo, y compártelo. I'll see you in two weeks. Hasta luego! Hasta luego!